Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of The Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And I have an announcement, Chris. Oh, yeah. Maybe you know this. I just realized it this morning. It's our anniversary. Is it really? We've done a year of podcasting together as of December 6th. Awesome. And today's the 8th. Well, congratulations. High Thank five. you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, being that it's the season of giving, I always think about, you know, where my mind is and all of that. And we were just talking before we started recording that. I feel like... The last few weeks, my balance has been a little whacked, yeah. working a little too hard, not enough pleasure. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I was thinking about our anniversary, I wanted to just say to you that I am very grateful for the book cougars. It's been a year of pure pleasure to talk books with you and go to, you know, biblio adventuring with you. And I'm very grateful. So thank you. Oh, gosh, absolutely. And right back at you. This has been probably the fastest year on record. I, I mean, it's just been so much fun to do this, and and it's given me a, a new focus for my reading. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so different. I mean, I know I blog about books, um, mm-hmm. but to talk about books, it's really made me excited every time I finish a book to talk with you about it. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> it's fun to, to share, and sometimes also to be reading a book and thinking, how am I going to talk I about know, this book? You right? Know? So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So happy anniversary. Yay, boy. Yeah. I knew it was coming up. I knew like December was when we mm-hmm. started. Yeah. Or, I, I yeah. think our first episode one, I think was, was went live on December 6th. Wow, excellent. I'm pretty sure that's what I looked up. So. Very cool. Yay. So. And thanks for everybody who's been sticking with us yes, for this year. That's it's right. been really great to, to make new friends and mm. to... Uh, you know, further strengthen existing friendships, yeah. talking about books. So thank you, everybody, for, for sticking with us for a year and for new listeners who are just finding us. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to know there are a lot of uh, crazy reading lovers out there like <laughs> us. So so should we talk about what we've just read? Yes. This is our our third read-along. Yes. We've, we read um, The English Patient. Mm-hmm. The Grapes of Wrath, and now we have read together The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers. Yes. Actually, I just made that sound like we sat on the couch and read together. Oh. <laughs> I wish we had, but we did a joint read-along, yes. and um, yes. it seems as if, um, particularly through our Goodreads group, that um, we have some other listeners who've been reading it as well, mm-hmm. so and have had a lot to say about it, so... Um, I know you just literally closed the cover I last night. I closed the cover last night yeah. before bed. I finished it, and I said, I told Emily earlier, like, I had nightmares last night, and I don't really remember what they were, but, you know, I woke up with that feeling of, like, yeah. let me out. Yeah. I had to be awake. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad those were dreams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so it's like other people have said, like, this is a depressing book. It is. But so yeah. many of us love it. Mm-hmm. Should we give a kind of a brief synopsis of what it's about? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, this is going to be a spoiler-rich environment. Yes. We will be talking probably about plot points. So if you haven't finished it and you don't like spoilers, you might want to wait to listen to this episode. Right. Or just speed ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you decide. <laughs> So it's um do you you're much better at synopses than me and you just p- finished it would you okay. like to do that and I can sure. pipe in when I feel necessary I could try so it's basically I get it's about a young girl named Mick what is she 12 13 mm-hmm. at the opening yeah. it's she's kind of one of the main characters but then there's a a a, a deaf mute mm-hmm. who is kind of a central figure in the book John Singer mm-hmm. is his name ironic name yeah, yeah. and there are three other main characters. There's Dr. Copeland. Dr. Copeland. Portia. What would you yeah. call her? Is that how you would pronounce her name? I thought it was Portia. Portia. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then um, is it Biff? Biff. And then the... Um, and then... Wasn't it... I want to say it was John, but it's not John. Is it Jack? I'm Jack. so bad with what names. name? The guy oh. who's the works at the carnival? Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, what is his I name? Know, that's terrible. <laughs> All right, hold, please. Um, I think it's Jack. Is it? I'm pretty okay. sure it's Jack. Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Jake. 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 Oh my god, is. my it's just my son's name. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, oh 
right, so Jake. Wave. Yeah, so Jake. So yeah. so Jake, Biff, Mick, Mick, Doctor Copeland, and Doctor Copeland are all. They're four characters who come to talk with John Singer, yeah. who was a deaf mute. Mm-hmm. He he listens attentively to people. He can read lips. He also signs, but he. He doesn't sign with them, obviously. They don't know how to sign, and nobody seems to express interest in learning sign language. Or really having him communicate back at all. Exactly. Yeah. He is this kind of, like, blank yeah. slate for them to just pour out their feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's the story of the Depression, rising fascism in Europe, and the deep poverty and racism of the rural South. Right, it takes place in Georgia. It takes place in Georgia in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. The book was published in 1940. And there's there are also some geographic locales that are important to the book, I think, that Mick lives in a rooming house owned mm-hmm. by her parents. Yes. And so the cast of characters kind of revolves around this rooming house. And I guess I thought of Portia or Portia as a main character, but maybe she's not mm-hmm. really, but she is an African-American woman that works for them. Yes. She works for them, and Dr. Copeland is her dad. Right. And so there's that connection. I was just thinking about the main characters in terms of who went to talk to John Singer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so Mick lives in this boarding house that's hitting really hard times. And so Emily and I and, and other readers, too, have seen similarities between this book and The Grapes of Wrath. Right. Which also was about the depression, mm-hmm. um, coming at it from a very different angle. Right, people were fleeing where they were living. Yeah, you know, looking for you know work and food and you know a way to make a living. Whereas in this book, it was very place based, actually yes. very different. And yeah. So this rooming house is one of the the places where a lot of the. Um, scenes take place, and then also a cafe. The New York Cafe, yeah, yeah which Biff owns. Mm-hmm. A lot of the scenes take place there as well. And and it's interesting, too, because there are so many place names, so many American states and cities named, and European places are named. So this book, while it takes place in this small, tiny town in Georgia, it really has a more of an international kind of feel to it sometimes, yeah. just because of these place names that are mentioned and like John Singer comes from Chicago originally mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly how he ended up in the south so the book is it's with these characters desperately trying to connect you know the heart is a lonely hunter right. so these people are so desperate to have a connection with another human being and they're just talking past each other so and ironically often. the person that they all talk to is someone who can't communicate back with them right but he does have a friend, Antonopoulos, is mm-hmm. that how you say his name? Who was yeah. a big kind big, of oaf of a Greek, Greek man yeah. who could, was also a deaf mute and could communicate via sign language. And they lived together mm-hmm. for at the beginning of the book. And um, then eventually he Antonopoulos gets sent away because he, he has some behavioral issues and kind of gets put in a home. He gets of put sorts. into a sane asylum yeah. basically yeah. by his yeah. cousin yeah. who owns the local grocery store. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, and and that's kind of such a it's a love story really between the two of them. It's never nothing is ever overtly sexual in this book. Mm-hmm. Even when Mick has teenage sex with the boy next door. Right. Like <laughs> it, you know, it, it happens but it's yeah. not described in any detail. Right. So with John and Antonopoulos it I is was a, ask a you love that. story. It's alluded to. Yeah. But you're never quite sure. Yeah. Right? I think it's a love story. I don't okay. think it has to have a sexual component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explicitly or implicitly. I don't think that has to be part of it to be a love story. I agree. I think what was interesting about that relationship between Antonopoulos and Singer is that that was the only person that Singer could actually communicate with because they communicated via sign language. All the other characters in the book love to communicate with Singer. And I'm sure he listened and nodded and used, you know, body language, but he never could communicate back with them. Yeah. And he didn't really care about them. He just, they just filled his time because he was lonely without Antonopoulos. And even when Antonopoulos was there, he didn't really pay attention to Singer. Yeah. He, you know, you get the sense that he was only half listening. Right. But he was there. And, and so you, you know, you wonder like, so what is it about human connection? Mm -hmm. There's this, one of the scenes where Jake, 
he's been out drinking and everything. And the next, I think it was him. And the next morning, yeah, he's, let me read this paragraph. It was one um, about needing human contact of some kind. It says, after such mornings, he returned to the show with relief. It eased him to push through crowds of people. The noise, the rank stinks, the shouldering contact of human flesh soothed his jangled nerves. Mm. You know, so it's like repeated throughout this book is that that need for human connection right. of some kind. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even people being alone in their rooms, they might be comfortable and contented, but they can't be there that long. They need to get out and be around other people. Right, and interestingly, restaurants, right, the cafe is used as a site for coming together, and the rooming house is used as a site for coming together, and those are places where people, strangers and people familiar with each other alike, come to places like that. Right. And so I thought that was a really interesting, and we should say also that Carson McCullers, the author, was in, was 20, or even in her late teens when she wrote the book, it was published when she was 23. 23, yeah. And it is autobiographical. The character of Mick, she did say, was based on her life and her growing up years in the South. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the best part of the book to me was the portrayal of a 12 to 13-year-old and the angst that you have and the questions you have and the pressures you have from your family, you know, and that she also communicated with Singer, the deaf mute, you know, and shared her, you know, hopes and dreams for her life. And what a lovely thing for a young woman to have, you Mm -hmm. know, but um, not that it was necessarily helpful, I don't know. No, not at all, because there's no reciprocity (laughs) in any of these relationships. Like, you know, a young person, they need guidance. Yeah. And it's, I think it's one thing to to let somebody talk and talk and talk, but if they don't have any input, yeah, it, they have no direction in right. a way. And I, I just really feel for her. Like, she is the only hope of light in that book. Because mm-hmm. um, every other character, Dr. Copeland, Singer, like, you know things are not going to end well. Right. Like, there's just this... I wouldn't call it claustrophobic, but it's just this ominous cloud hanging over. Mm-hmm everything in this book but like you kind of at least I had the hope that Mick was gonna get out somehow yeah and there's that crushing scene Mm kind of towards the end when her sister comes home from work saying hey there's a and and again this is during the depression people need money like the family had to sell their house and now they're renting their boarding house right and trying to pay the bills of a girl who was wounded that they're responsible right. for. Um, yeah, right. We could talk about, you know, we, also ancient medical care, which yeah. is not looking very different in I know. her time. But, but anyway. So, yeah, yeah, so that scene, and, and yeah. Mick, you know, she knows that she goes to bed hungry. She's hungry yeah. for days on end. Yeah. So she knows the family's desperate for money. And when her sister comes home from work saying, hey, there's a job opening, right. you know, and they're the family sitting on the front steps, which is such an iconic, like, American Thing to be sitting on your front steps with the family. I mean, I right. grew up doing that on our yeah. front porch. And right away, Mick kind of knows it's about her. Yeah. You know? And she ends up taking that job. And But the thing is, the way that, the way that situation is portrayed, I wrote on Goodreads that it's like, it's just such a model for how families eat their own. Mm-hmm. You know? And that, you know, she's only 13, and the dad and the mom and the older brother are all saying, well, no, Mick... You know, she should have another year or two mm-hmm. before she goes to work. Because the thing is, if she goes to work, she's not going back to school. Right, right. And here she has these dreams of being a composer or musician. Yeah. And those will certainly be dashed. Mm-hmm. And she takes the job. And yeah. you think, oh. That reminded me of the Grapes of Wrath of, you know, the kids who you just felt like, ooh, you know, they, yeah. they weren't even in school at all, you know, in that book. and Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was very sad. And, and also just understanding, though, that, you know, families do stick together mm-hmm. in times of hardship. And the, it was very hope The feeling of the book was but very see, hopeless. Even that stick together. Mm-hmm. What does stick together mean? That, to me, makes it seem so hopeful and so good that the family unit sticks together. Yeah. And I think in some cases, it's they're globbed together out of fear and desperation, and it's not a good sticking together. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I also think, though, that you there's a certain point. 
I mean, I've, I've not, I I was a single mother, so I know that, and, and I've never been hungry and my kids were never hungry or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I know the feeling of looking at the family, like we got to make it, you know, we got to make this work right. together, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think there was some feeling of that. And even their, you know, their livelihood of having this rooming house, well, their borders weren't paying, you know? So yeah, it was like, the, yeah, you know, yeah. they have this setup to provide for the family and that's falling apart. So it's mm-hmm. like, Go down to the next level. Okay, the kids are breathing and they're old enough to work now, you know, which is the historically, you know, in agriculture, that's what why you had a large family. The yeah. kids were working, right? And well, and there was to, no birth control, so right. well, that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. no reliable birth yeah. control, we should say. And we should say too, like the difference with the grapes of wrath is this is not a farming family. Yeah, the mom is hardly mentioned at all, and the dad had been a carpenter who was injured and is now trying to make money as a clock repair right, man right which is dicey because who can afford to repair a clock during right. the depression i know there was a scene where he and mick worked really hard to make signage it was like they were going to advertise yeah. for this clock and watch repair shop you know and you just feel so hopeless for them I like know. yeah think of something else to do I you know? know and i don't think they ever said what the mom was doing did they if they did, I, I missed know. it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, all she just the other kid to give the other kid a bath. And, right. Like, I don't really know what the mom is doing. And then they had help, which I thought was yes. interesting. Yeah. Like, you would think that would be the first thing to go. Yeah. You know? And she, Portia, or Porta, was more of a cook. Mm-hmm. But she did odd jobs, too. I guess she was a, a maid of all trades kind of thing. Yeah. 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 But the thing with, with Mick, I have to say, I've been mulling over her situation because that scene really hit me hard last night. Um, I was thinking about choices because I firmly believe we all have choices, mm-hmm. however grim they may seem. Like, we do have choices in yeah. our lives for the most part. I'm mm-hmm. sure people could tell me examples of yeah. situations where people don't have choices. But, like, Mick, there she is after work. She's exhausted from working retail and I know how exhausting working retail yeah. is, you yeah. know. Um, and she's sitting there at the cafe, at the New York cafe, and she orders a sundae and a beer. Mm-hmm. And and she sits there thinking, like, maybe she shouldn't have spent the money. Yeah. Like, maybe she could put money towards a piano. And, like, that is a, a road, too. Like, she's going to be making her choice every time she spends money on, do I want to have a potential for mm-hmm. getting a piano and becoming a composer? Or am I going to just relax and have sugar and beer? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that is such an exhausting situation to be in. And to make the choice to have a little bit of a slice of hope of getting out yeah. is so hard. Yeah. But see, that scene to me was hopeful. Because it, she hadn't yet given up on her dreams. Right. She hadn't. But, like, yeah. she's at a crossroads for sure. Yeah. And, like, I, I felt that really strongly, too. Mm-hmm. Because it is, in times when I've had to really pinch my pennies and hold my breath that I could pay my bills. Like it's those things where like, I just wanted to go to a bookstore and buy a book. Right. <laughs> you know? And, and that is my solace, you know? Yeah. Right. Some people do like, okay, it's looking really grim. Mm-hmm. All the more reason to yeah. go and, you know, live some life. life. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you think, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. What are, you know, I have yeah. nothing left to lose. I might as sure. well go give myself a treat. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the hard part of being in a situation where you can't potentially see some light at the end of the tunnel, but she has no one she can talk to to advise her on this because everyone is in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I also felt, I mean, just overarchingly, the characters in the book, there was a lot, it seemed a little disjointed to me. Yeah. And there, I had some question as to, you know, if I always think to myself, like if this book were, were, you know, put forth today as a manuscript, mm-hmm. would it be published? And I felt like it would have, I'm not so sure it would have. I hate to say that, but it seemed very disjointed. Like the whole thing with Portia and her brother gets put in jail mm-hmm. and then he ends up being um, abused by the prison guards and loses both his legs. And I just felt like, where is this coming from like how does this fit with the story did you have moments like that with the story like part of me wished that Mick that there had been one main character of Mick Mm -hmm. you know instead of these different characters and I got somewhat it made me not enjoy the book as much frankly I have to say yeah Yeah. see I was reading and I was thinking like god they don't write books like this anymore (laughs) 
<laughs> with, because I do think it was disjointed too, and I think like you could tell it's kind of a younger writer mm-hmm. who wrote this book mm-hmm. because it is. Sometimes it seems like a idealistic, um, you know, kind of diatribe yeah. of philosophical. Uh, philo- what can I think of the word? Philosophizing, philosophizing, a philosophical, philosophical tract or something. Yeah, debate, something yeah. like that. You know. Um, yeah. And so, and I, so I think a more mature writer would have incorporated that more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, but William, the the guy who uh, is abused in prison, you know, I'm not sure because there are a lot of scenes where there's violence against African Americans mm-hmm. and dead African American bodies that mm-hmm. are showing up. Including the doctor, yeah. who you yeah. think is kind of above some of that, ends mm-hmm. up getting really beaten up in right. one scene. Yeah. And I think it's, it's it's part of that. And I think, you know, it was interesting because I did think about his feet because there's so much about hands, obviously, in this book, mm. which one of our, our readers mentioned um, uh, in Goodreads, you know, the amount of hands that are mentioned in here and the importance of hands, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're deaf and you're using sign language to communicate. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. hands are your voice. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about the character of William and his feet, which, you know, hands and feet tend to mm. go together. So I was, wasn't was really sure, like, the symbol, if it was symbolism there or if it was based on a true story mm. that Carson McCullers had heard about. Because William, his gift and joy was playing the harmonica. Mm-hmm. So that, it didn't, like, crush his joy in that way. But, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the whole situation was horrific, so... I'm so maybe, sure. it, I mean, I'm just thinking about this as you're saying it. Maybe it's, uh, you know, what can we survive without? Mm-hmm. Is it that, you know? Is that some of the theme of the book? I don't know. I'm not sure. You can even take body parts away and still survive? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. Grim. I it's wouldn't, grim. It is very grim. And I just, yeah. I just thought that was just a, an example of just man's inhumanity. Mm. To man, like you yeah. wouldn't treat an animal that way. Like, yeah. is it in this book? Yeah, I think it is. Um, there's a line somewhere where people talk about cattle being more useful mm. and being cared for more than humans. I'm not sure if it's Jake says that in one of his things about workers being expendable, basically. So one of our, our listeners said she had to give up on the book because she couldn't take Jake's, you know, rants. Mm-hmm. And those didn't bother me. Did they bother you? No. Nobody's yeah. rants bothered yeah. me. I got really uncomfortable, though, with the doctor and William. I mean, that just, it it made me physically ill reading mm. some of those sections and just the, the pain. and Because the doctor was William's father. Mm-hmm. And so you mean the fact that he was distant, really distant? Well, yeah, mean? just the fact that the father was so, he was trying so hard to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, following his passion of reading and mm-hmm. philosophy and, and medical care and everything, but that it would never be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. even that scene in the courthouse when he goes in, and, and Dr. Copeland is a man who speaks very precise English, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in the context of this book and the location, most African Americans don't. Right. And so the the white sheriff mocks him immediately when he hears him speak and you right. think yeah. it's just it's just heartbreaking on so many levels. Yeah. But then to find out that Dr. Copeland beat his wife. Mm. I gasped when I read that. I did not see that coming. Yeah. You know, cuz yeah. I was wondering like why is his family so estranged from him mm-hmm. when he seems to be this educated, caring doctor? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? And mm-hmm. when I read that, I thought, wow, and because there's a similarity with Dr. Copeland and Jake talking mm-hmm. about going crazy yeah. from anger. from anger. Yeah. 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 And the lack of ability to communicate truth to the right. people. Right. You and know. Be based on your position in life. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot in this book. Yeah, yeah, I really. Yeah. and I loved it too. And Colleen, one of our reader and, and our listener, I should say, um, who gave us the lowdown on the American Writers Museum, commented too on the music uh, part of it. Just mm-hmm. thinking about the differences between today and this time period, when Mick had to go and kind of sneak into a neighbor's yard right. to listen to the radio yeah. to hear it coming through the window, mm-hmm. as opposed to today when so many people have access to to music at their fingertips. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Endless endless quantities so, of music. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I also thought, um, I think one of our listeners, too, I can't remember the name, talked a lot about the godlike mm-hmm. idea of Singer. Yes. And how, you know, people, I mean, the fact that he couldn't respond to them kind of mirrors people's, the notion of people praying. And, yeah, I think it was know. Marcella. Yes, I yeah, think you're said right. That, yeah. yeah, talking about that. And that's an interesting idea as well. And then should we give the big spoiler on Singer, or should we not give the big spoiler on Singer? What do you think? Well, you sure. I, you know, I mean, he, he, I was, I was surprised that, I mean, he dies. Yeah. He shoots himself. He kills himself. He kills himself. I gasped on that one. Did you? I did not see that coming at all. See, I thought he was going to be beaten to death. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. I thought with people putting so much on him mm-hmm. and having so many expectations of him, I thought somebody was going to snap and kill him. Yeah. Is what I thought. So. But he just killed himself. And yeah. I think I felt that, and which is, I guess, could be. You know, interesting thinking about it in a godlike way, but just the pressure he had mm-hmm. of, you know, he had all of these people sharing everything with them and with him, burdening him in a certain way. Yeah. And the only person that he could really communicate with, Antonopoulos, ends up dying. Yeah. And after that, Singer goes home and kills himself. Yeah. See, I thought it was going to follow the whole Christ story mm-hmm. and that he would basically be crucified mm, yeah. by the people. But yeah. Yeah. Well, in a certain way he was. I mean, just the pressures, the pressure of the people, I suppose. But, yeah. Yeah, it's an intense book. It is intense. We we don't pick uplifting ones, I have to say. Maybe our next one will be, but, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very dark. I, I have to admit that I don't think it was just the darkness, but it wasn't a book that I was excited to pick up and go back to. No. I felt myself really feeling like... It was a bit, I won't use the word slog, but it mm-hmm. just was tough. It was tough for me to get through. I, I got through the first 175 pages, like just blew through them. And then mm-hmm. after that, it was tricky for me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that with this one. I really liked it because I was so excited about Mech mm-hmm. and what the possibilities were. I was apprehensive a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, like I, I felt like, not that I was getting an ulcer, but like <laughs> I felt like I had an upset stomach at yeah. some points where, because the tension was really... Yeah. Believable, I mm-hmm. felt. And I was invested in all the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it gave me some tension, for yeah. sure. Yeah. One uh, person, too, uh, Robin, wrote in and talked about the character of John Singer being a wounded healer, mm. which I kind of like that concept, too. I like that a little bit better than the godlike, just because that seems heavy. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had read once or heard once that this was a very Catholic book. Mm. And that made me not want to read it. Not that I have anything. Uh, you mean, I went to Jesuit college right, and everything. Right. Nothing uh, against anything like that. But I thought it was going to be weighed down by religious themes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it was weighed down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought John Singer could be a little heavy-handed, maybe at times, the, the allusions to him being Christ-like, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I I really in, enjoyed it. I, I just think it's... I, I know some people consider it her masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Do you think you'll read more Carson McCullers? Yeah, you, I definitely yeah. want to read more. Yeah. I love... She... I got really excited reading her writing because, you know, just looking at how she created a feeling in mm-hmm. me as a reader, I was fascinated with that. So I, you know, I would go back and reread a couple paragraphs to see kind of like... How did I get here? Mm. How did she make me feel this? Oh, see, that's the so, writer in you. I yeah. love that. So, so you I, were interested in the, the process of her writing. Yeah. 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 Or so development. I like I this. I have to say, like, I I know I'm, I, uh, I think I liked it more than The Grapes of Wrath. Because I think it was a more complex book. Hmm. I really feel like this book compared to The Grapes of Wrath, I kind of feel like The Grapes of Wrath is like a great work of propaganda, mm. but The Heart is Lonely Hunter is really trying to struggle with the issues more. Hmm. And maybe saying that there are no easy answers, there are no answers. Like, even people who are against oppression and trying to raise the people are arguing at each other. Mm-hmm. And one of our readers commented on that about how people are just, I think it was Colleen again, just like today's political climate, people just talking past each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even when we want the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the overarching theme. Can people ever really hear each other? Yeah. And that's the point of having, you know, one of the characters who can't communicate back. Yeah. You know, and the ease and the joy that people have of being in a room with him because mm-hmm. 
No competition for airspace, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting No thing. competition for airspace. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. It's just like, and you get to let off all your burdens and everything. Right. So there's no relationship. Right. I mean, I don't think there's a healthy relationship in this book. Mm-hmm. And I think to have a healthy relationship, you have to be... You have to be willing to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. and then somebody has to be willing to receive that vulnerability and treat it with care. And I think everybody in this book is just so overwhelmed and frightened and depressed and hungry that that just makes it impossible. And it's almost like the book is saying that these systems of oppression make it impossible for people to have a connection, to get together, to make a difference. Amen, sister. <laughs> that was beautiful. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. such a shocking book in yeah. so many ways. And yeah. I think it's still highly relevant today. Yeah, which is always, you know, sad when mm-hmm. you realize that. But yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. 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 Totally. So anyway, a good pick. I'm glad we read this one. I know both of us have had it on our TBRs yes. for a long time. And thanks to everybody who... Who voted for it. I'm yeah. really happy to have read it. Me too. And next up is our read-along of Ma- Maurice or Morris <laughs> by Ian e. Forster. And more to come on that. We haven't picked dates or anything like that, but we're thinking February. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometime in February. Yay! Yay. So what are you currently reading, Chris? Well, I'm currently listening to a book. I'm listening to Code Girls, mm, that yeah. book by uh, Liza Mundy that I had mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago. I bought the book, but then I needed a new book to listen to because I've been driving around a little bit. Um, so I downloaded that because I thought what I really wanted to read next was that. Mm-hmm. So have you been picking it up and looking, at, you know, reading it in between? Because that's, I love I'm to going do that. to. Yeah. I'm going to. I, I was stuck in traffic <laughs> last oh. night for hours because I was on 84 and 91 and there was an accident and it was rush hour. And it was just like, oh, I have an audiobook. So I listened oh. to a big chunk of it. And it mm-hmm. and it's a history book. So there are a lot of names and things going on. She's talking about the women who broke code during mm-hmm. World War II and and how like the Navy recruited a lot of college girls from the Seven Sister colleges, mm-hmm. and the Army went to other schools. And it was so it uh, made me think a little bit of OSS Operation Blackmail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book I had read in recruiting women um, to work in the field. And right now I'm in a section where it's going back to kind of like the World War One era. Oh, okay. So it's doing a little bit of following this one woman to start with and then going back in time on the history of American code breaking kind of. Cool. So it's neat. I like yeah. it a lot. Oh, good. Well, yeah. look forward to hearing how you like the rest of it. <laughs> I'm currently reading Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. I went, um, we have a small library in our library system called Willoughby that's in Stony Creek. And I love going to this library because they always have great new releases. And it's seemingly, I don't know if it's just because the library doesn't get that much traffic, Mm -hmm. but they always have stacks of the new books. So I made a trip last weekend and I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself and stop at Willoughby. And I got like six books out of the library, (laughs) of course. (laughs) And I was shocked to see the new Alice Hoffman there. And so it is a prequel to her very popular book, Practical Magic. Mm. And I set my my expectations pretty low, I have to admit, but I'm really enjoying it. So I'm I'm not that far into it, but I'll, I'll let you know. I'm sure I'll have it done by nice. the next next episode. Have you ever worked there? Do they have much workspace at Willoughby? They don't. Yeah, okay. I've tried. They yeah. have these little tables, and then they kind of have a big work conference room. They really okay. don't. All right. Because yeah. I didn't think so. Because I've been there yeah. a couple times, too, to, to pick things up, or yeah. just when I've been in the neighborhood. It's such a neat location there by the Thimble Islands. And yeah, I mean, you can Creek. see the water. So the one time I tried to work there, I took this little desk and tried to, like, mm-hmm. sneak around where I could look out the window, and it just wasn't working. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to work at the water too because I know. Yeah. Speaking of my college, I went to Loyola in Chicago, which is right on the lakefront, mm-hmm. and I used to actually go to the Mundelein College Library, which at the time Mundelein has been sucked up by Loyola, but it overlooked the lake. Like, uh, and so I would sit at these desks and have this great view of Lake Michigan, which is of course. An inland sea, yeah. You don't see the other side of the lake, right. and um, I especially would love that during storms. Mm, that would be so yeah. much fun. 
Not that I got a lot of studying right. done, but if I was reading some great 19th century Victorian novel, it would be a great setting right. for reading that book. Water is distracting, I have to say, as we sit <laughs> as we and look at the, the Long the Island sound. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> So what about Biblio Adventures? Have you been anywhere? Well, I celebrated Willa Cather's birthday yesterday. Woohoo! Woo! I, I couldn't go. I'm so sad. Was well, you were working hard. I know. It was a good time. So this was at the Book Club Bookstore up in South Windsor, Connecticut. Thank you, Cindy, for hosting us. Um, we had four women show up. Excellent. Um, and so there were six of us total. And we had cake and we talked about Willa Cather. It was a lot of fun. Right, because this was also the kickoff for, for the a, book club, for a book club yeah. right? Yeah. Starting in January? So, yeah, our first, we'll read, we'll meet quarterly. Okay. And the first meeting is January 18th, and we'll be discussing my Antonia. And did all four women say that they were going to join the book club? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's all four, fantastic. yeah. And I heard um, from somebody uh, contacted me via my blog and said she couldn't make it you know, yesterday or for January, but she plans on attending in April. Oh, that's great. When we meet for the second time. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. The pictures were really cool. Um, Cindy has this really beautiful book arch Mm -hmm. that's in her bookstore. And I just love the pictures of people standing there. I think there's been several of you now, Chris, under the book arch (laughs) and it's really cool. Yeah. That book arch came from somebody had that made for a wedding. So they got married underneath that book arch. And then, you know, I guess they were moving and they had no idea what to do with it. And they approached Cindy and said, would you want this? And she said, sure. So now it's like a great photo op for people when they visit the Yeah, I love it. I think it's really cool. Oh, well, good. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped at the Galaxy Bookshop in um, Hardwick, Vermont, which I've been to before. And I took a cool little photo. They had a really neat little window display of like a Christmas tree made out of mm-hmm. books that I really liked with some pretty lights on it. Totally, I like that. I liked yeah. how they had the the pages facing the front too. Yeah. That yeah. was different because usually you see the spines and then I yeah. get distracted by exactly. looking at what the books are. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to yeah. see it that way. Because it also looked like it was a snow covered tree. Oh, it did. That's spine. true. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were looking for, Jim's a big fan of Howard Frank Mosier, who is a Vermont author, and so he thought we would stop there and see if there was anything signed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there wasn't. He did pass away last year, so. Yeah. Um, and has a book release coming up, I think, in, I want to say February at Bear Pond Books in Montpelier. Po- is it posthumously? That's what you say, yeah, right? Because he's yeah. passed away. But um, He was a Booktopia author, wasn't he? I believe he was. Uh-huh. Yeah, and one of the earlier Booktopias. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't find anything signed, but okay. they, they do have a really nice collection of his books there, as you might imagine. So, nice. yeah. And then I also saw the movie Call Me By Your Name, mm. based on the Andre Asimin. I don't, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, because I think it's a French or, or an Italian name novel mm-hmm. by the same name, Call Me By Your Name. And it's getting a lot of press for Oscar buzz and that oh, sort of interesting. thing. Okay. Um, it's a, it, and, you know, it's interesting because I've not read the book. I looked on Goodreads and some of my friends who read it gave it five stars and seemed very passionate about it. It's It was beautifully filmed in the Italian countryside and the premise is a, a kind of a big, large American grad student comes to... Italy to study with um, an archaeologist mm-hmm. and help him with his work and, the, and has kind of these American ways that he brings, you know, and then ends up, it ends up being a love story between this archaeologist and his 17-year-old son. They have mm-hmm. a, a, a love affair. And there were scenes in the movie where I thought like, oh, that dialogue must come from the book and that mm-hmm. must be a beautifully written book. You know, there's one yeah. scene in particular where the father and son are having this conversation on the couch where I'm like, that's the movie right there. And it's basically about, you know, like these first loves that you have or special loves sometimes are never repeated and enjoy them when you have them and mm-hmm. follow your heart and that sort of thing. I, I have to admit, I felt a little prudish. With um, there were a lot of sex scenes between the two men, and I don't know if it's the mother in me, but it was like seventeen-year-old boy. Yeah. you know, it just felt a little. Uh, even though I know people who I, who I know who had love affairs at that age and feel like it was the freest they ever were in their life, and mm-hmm. 
that they never really found love or were comfortable with their bodies and the time they spent with someone again that way. You yeah. know, so I was trying to do that in my mind. Well, how you old know? was the archaeologist? He... I want to say he was probably 25, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he was a man, Yeah. you know. And, and I think part of it was, you know, this, and this had to be part of the book, I feel like he was big, mm-hmm. you know, big and tall. And the boy was, you know young still as as boys don't always develop and you know yeah. until they're in their 20s you know so so that part was a little tricky for me but I did enjoy it I thought it was beautifully filmed and interesting and um entertaining mm-hmm. you know there was just that little little yeah. bit for yeah. me that was tricky. Well, and it's such a I mean it used to be such a cultural I don't want to say indoctrination what do you call it a your sexual awakening. I mean, mm-hmm. traditionally, you know, an older woman with a younger man and, yeah. and all these combinations and, yeah. and thing, times have definitely changed with that. Yeah. And, and like, I guess 17 to 25, I mean, sometimes there's not a big difference between mm-hmm. those ages. If Agreed. you have a more mature 17 year old and a less mature 25 right. year old, you know, but That's other true. times, like you're saying, it's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I, yeah, and it wasn't so uncomfortable as more just questioning, you know, my, the, my mom brain started to go like, does he, have a 17 year old, what does he know, what's he thinking, you know, and then I was like, just stop, watch the movie, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I, I do recommend it, and it is getting a lot of buzz, and it did make me want to read the book, I have to say, yeah. because I felt like those scenes where I felt like the language of the novel were present were really amazing. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I like this. I I think sometimes I, I get a little tired with people saying, turn off your TV, read a book. Mm-hmm. I love books, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I also think movies and TV can make you think about things, mm-hmm. too. It's not yeah. like you're just, the, you know, the boob tube stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I know there's yeah. different types of TV watching. You could just sit there and, you know, watch trash or whatever. Right. And right. But again, one person's trash is another person's treasure. So. Right, right. Yeah. Or pleasure. Or pleasure, <laughs> yeah. But I like that. I think movies can make us think. Yeah, Just definitely. as much as books can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was also a, a, one of the storylines. It, it, the movie was um, took place in the early 80s, and so it was also that... The, and I guess this is a bit of a spoiler, but that the older, you know, the older man in the relationship, the grad student, couldn't um, follow through with his, you know, desires for this young boy. Not just, I mean, in the relationship, but chose to then follow a heterosexual, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this very clearly, become involved with a woman mm-hmm. and felt like he couldn't be out in the life that he went back to in America. Yeah. So... So that's definitely, obviously, I'm sure, more um, thought out in the book. And I was talking to Aunt Ellen about it because she saw it. And it's out in New York. I don't know if it's out everywhere yet. But um, that she read a review that said in the book there's a kind of one of those 10 years later thing mm. where the boys or the men, I should say at that point, get to come back together and have a conversation. And I'm not sure what else happens. But that was definitely not a part of the movie. The movie mm. kind of ends with you knowing that they're not going to be together. So I just gave so much of it away. Still go see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is interesting because Laura's right now is um, listening to the audio book of Hidden Figures. Because, you know, we both, everybody loved that movie so much. Um, But the book is very different. Like whoever adapted the book to the movie did a great job of just pulling out those three women and creating a storyline for them. Mm -hmm. Because the book is much more you know, historically involved in looking at the organization that, you know, predated NASA and okay. and a lot of the history of the the area uh, mm. down there, which Laura loves because she's from right. Norfolk exactly. and everything. So yeah. she knows exactly the Hampton Roads and everything they're talking about. So she's enjoying it, but very different. Yeah. And I think that is such a skill to take a book mm-hmm. and to create a, a, a an appropriate movie yeah. Based on it. Yeah. It's a skill well, and I think it's sure. so different, yeah, to try to take someone else's writing and discern it into something new. I've been working on that in my work life lately, and it's really hard. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm very good at it. So, <laughs> um, whereas, you know, people who start 
from scratch, like Greta Gerwig's new movie, Lady Bird, you know, she wrote the screenplay and it's just a different, it's a completely yeah. different situation. So Yeah, and I heard Laurie Metcalf is like, people are buzzing about Oscar uh, for her. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable I performance. It. I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, see, I didn't want to see that movie based on any of the previews, but I love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah. so I'll probably go see it for her and then mm-hmm. everybody's saying it's just so brilliant. Yeah. But the previews, I did, it just looks so bleak and... No, I didn't think it was bleak. I thought really? it was really good. And okay. it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's a good writer. Cool. Should we talk about upcoming Johns? Upcoming Johns. I don't have any. <laughs> oh, you know what? The only thing I saw coming up, I mean, there there are events coming up, mm-hmm. but Min Jin Lee is going to be at RJ Julia. She is on her paperback book tour now. Oh, for Pachinko. Yeah, for Pachinko. So. Ooh, maybe we can go together. Yeah, I'd like to do okay. that. Yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah. So that, well, and then the book, the Willow Cather Book Club on January. Yes. I'll be doing. Which isn't that far away, no, really. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I, two of my favorite authors, Alice Hoffman and Kelly Corrigan, who's also was a Booktopia mm-hmm. author, are on book tours, and I looked, and I they're not coming anywhere close at a time that I can see them, but I'm hoping oh. they're still adding events because okay, they both yeah. have very new books out. And yeah. I have I have the 92nd Street Y catalog arrived in my mail yesterday, Yay. so maybe when we're done recording, we can look through and see if there's anything we want to get on the start get making on, our on the calendar. calendar. Yeah, because it's exciting. All right, so we also thought we'd talk about some gift ideas. We did this yeah. last year. Yes. Um, so we each came up with a couple ideas. Yeah. On get bookish gift giving. Yes. Do you want to start? Sure. I thought, and I don't remember what I recommended last year other than fountain pens and magazine subscriptions. <laughs> so, um, but I thought, um, you know, something that's becoming more popular are book subscription services. I'm not a subscriber of any of these, so I cannot vouch for them. I've seen bloggers posting their arrivals when they come in, and some people are very happy. But one that I'm really tempted by is through the Mysterious Bookshop in New York. Ooh. They have what they call their crime clubs, and they have seven different options to choose from. So they have a crime collectors, which are signed books, hard-boiled and noir, First Mysteries, which are first, you know, somebody's first novel. Um, traditional and historical mysteries. Thrillers and espionage. British Mysteries. And then the last, the seventh category is Unclassifiable. Ooh. So you can subscribe at three months, six months, nine months, or a year. I think those are the categories that they have. Oh, three, six, and 12 months. Okay. Yeah. So you can sign up if you know somebody who is a big fan of one of those types of genres and subgenres. You could um, sign somebody up for that and yeah. see how they like it for three months. Most of these book subscription places, if you go to their website, I think they should show you what some of their recent sendings were. Yeah. I think most of them do that yeah. so you can get an idea. And you can also tell Santa that that's something that you want. I was going to say, or yeah. you can buy it for yourself. <laughs> buy yeah. it for yourself, exactly. That's a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Shall I go? Sure. So I was trying to think about what I use in the in the bookstores. They call them sidelines. That's mm-hmm. the fancy name. Like if there's something that I use all the time with my reading, and I realized as I was thinking about this that I use this little book light all the time and it's called the bundle monster book light clip and my friend jana the bm <laughs> right the bm <laughs> it's on there it's on there it that's what there. made me say it the bm, BM. it almost looks like i wrote it, <laughs> it too does, which is yeah. really funny oh lordy lou <laughs> jana told me about it jana who's a friend that i met through booktopia and um i have an e-reader that's not backlit which mm-hmm. was my preference because i spend so much time looking at screens you know computer screens i wanted an e-reader that wasn't so i originally got it to use with that mm-hmm. but now and it comes in a package of five in different colors twenty dollars they're really affordable so you could buy yes. a package and give them as gifts. I keep one in my suitcase. Mm-hmm. I keep one out by my couch. I keep one by my bed. I love it. I'm swinging it around. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got like a 
<laughs> bendable neck and so you can turn it and move it and I just love it right. so I highly recommend it awesome I one of the other things I thought I know last year I said magazines literary mm. magazines um there are also literary journals too mm. and some that could be really small through a local college or a school those might be good options too you're supporting writers yeah. and small presses um, and there are tons of them out there. You could look for a genre that you're interested in That's or a region, idea. you know, yeah. things like that. Those are, you know, I always buy journals when I go to bookstores, mm -hmm. and I love when you get to a bookstore where there are good journals, so that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, there are big ones that people know about, but then there are also kind of esoteric. Yeah, a lot yeah. of small ones, and, yeah. and it's just so much fun to find a bookstore that has a lot of them, and I think mm -hmm. we've talked about that in the past, that it tends to be kind of the more urban mm -hmm. bookstores that will have them. Um, but you can subscribe, right. so that might be a fun thing to do. What's the bookstore in New York that we went to that had so many? I almost didn't get out of that section. That's exactly what I'm picturing. I right know, now. and I can't think of the name. And of I can't it. think of the name of it either. <laughs> That's they hilarious. Had, that was the only bookstore I've ever been in that had an Australia section. Right, right. We'll have to think of it. Oh, I can't. I can't yeah. believe I can't That's think terrible. of it. It has I get a their funny newsletter. name. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a couple yeah. names put together. Yeah. That's a great idea. So I have, in the vein of, you know, bookstores that we can't think of the name of, um, I think gifts, gift cards are the best gift on the face of the planet, mm -hmm. and um, gift cards to bookstores are even better than the best, and so, you know, you and I had actually a conversation this week about independent bookstores and how, you know, a lot of people don't have independent bookstores close to where they live, but so many of them now are doing a really good job with their online sales, you know, I mean... One of the things I admittedly love about Amazon is that their shopping cart system is unbelievable, right. you know, and that you can put your friends and family's addresses in and it keeps it. And so with a click of a button, you know, you can easily send things to them. Yeah. Well, independent bookstores are, you know, they've they've gotten better with their online sales as well. And so even if you don't live close to a bookstore, you can still give the gift of an independent bookstore to someone. So right. yeah, I highly recommend buying gift cards. Totally. Oh, okay. So I had uh, one of my favorite reading tools is a little leather book weight. Oh, have you seen those? No. So they traditionally they look like a little. They're rectangular. Usually they're a little curvy, but there's a weight on both ends, oh, yeah. and then they're like leather with weights at both ends, and they're used to prop your book open. Mm -hmm. And you know you you can see them too, like at archives. They usually have like a long bean bag sometimes, or a round bean bag. But these are leather, usually, mm -hmm. and I've had one for probably 25 years, and I use it all the time. I got one for Laura a couple of years ago, because she would borrow mine all the time. <laughs> because if you do any, like if you're writing a journal entry about a book or something, mm -hmm. you can use it to keep your book open. Yeah. And it's just such a nice gift, and they come in different colors. Then you can just Google um, leather book weight. Or They're just great book for weight. cookbooks. Yes. Anything yeah. that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're really helpful in that. So that might be a fun gift. You can yeah. even get them with somebody's initials on them. Oh, nice. I, I've seen them through Levenger and all sorts of sites. I'll, so. I'll try to put a couple links I to think them have, in, I've, in I've the even seen notes. them actually at Barnes & Noble. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So Great. Yeah. That's a fun gift. Yeah, and, and, that's a great yeah. idea. And you can give it with a gift card and a book if and you want. <laughs> Well, uh, one of the questions we've had posed by several listeners is, how do we find our jaunts? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we know where to go and what to do? And so one of my favorite gifts now and what I ask my kids for is a gift of time and an activity. Mm -hmm. And so I highly recommend that you do that. And the way, the answer to the question of how we find our jaunts, a lot of times it's, you know, looking at the local libraries, looking at if you are, you know, lucky enough to have a bookstore close to you. Sometimes, like, churches, Jewish community centers have authors that come. Mm -hmm. um, you can look at, um, uh, like, Infinity Hall in Hartford has author events, 92nd Street Y, you know, places yeah. like that that host events. And the other um, place to go is, is directly to author sites. Absolutely. Most of yeah. them, websites, I should say, most of them now have events sections on their website. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so check it out. Look, a lot of times you don't have to get tickets. Sometimes you do have to get tickets, and sometimes tickets involve a copy of their newest book or something mm -hmm. like that. 
but you can just make a coupon for someone with you know an evening out it's and one of my favorite gifts yeah. yeah and if you need help with that just go to your local library the mm. librarians would be happy to help you yeah do that kind of search yeah. too if you need assistance yeah. So, yeah yeah great idea yeah love that events events they're the best yeah, they are and spending time with people now is like i'm not big on stuff anymore i mean i live in a 500 square foot house yeah. so spending time with people my yeah. favorite thing my and favorite it's, you know, gift i remember the first author event i went to where i was seriously crushing on the author it was leslie feinberg mm. who wrote a book called stone butch blues and I was so blown away. I was so afraid to go up to her and shake her hand. Oh, and I yeah. was there with one of my professors and some of my friends, and they're like, go, go meet her, go yeah. meet her. So I'm glad I did. Yeah. But it's so much fun to meet authors. It is. Whether yeah. they're, you know, local authors that you never heard of before mm-hmm. or big-name authors, it's just always, I think, interesting to hear them talk about their books and their yeah. writing process and how they came to be writers and stuff. I agree, and hear them recommend their favorite authors yeah. and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool. Do you have oh, anything me, else? Um, you know what? I was going to recommend, and you know, uh, we're not we're not getting any kind of kickback from them, but out of print, out of print is a company mm-hmm. that does a lot of bookish related gifts and clothings. They they make a lot of book T shirts and scarves and mugs, and they make these gloves that are fingerless gloves. You've seen mine. Yeah, I have yeah. the Edgar Allan Poles, yeah. the Raven on my gloves. They're, so their fingerless gloves are great if you're reading or typing or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, they have a lot of Jane Austen. They have Jane Austen gloves, Edgar Allan Poe gloves. Um, but So it's just a company called Out of Print. They have mm-hmm. a lot of good bookish gifts. I think we saw them at Book Expo. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, they were there. That's cool. yeah, 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 they have really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. we get their catalog and periodically order things from them so there's a lot of fun bookish things yeah so I have um people who say to me a lot like how are we supposed to keep living right now (laughs) it's a tough time the world's a little crazy and my response my new response is poetry (laughs) so I highly recommend giving the gift of poetry to people um and what I've come to really enjoy are collections of poet poetry from specific authors so the two i'd like to recommend are devotions by mary oliver which is her new it's a new compilation book of poems i'm pretty sure that she chose and then new collected poems by wendell berry and um i was going to see if you'd allow me to read a poem are we running out of time allow you please (laughs) this is called um the peace of wild things by wendell berry When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Beautiful. Read that instead of the news headlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying we shouldn't be, you know, abreast of what's happening in the world, but sometimes you have yeah. to step out of it Absolutely. and read a little poetry. Yeah. So Nice. It's good advice. I agree. It's, it's challenging to be an informed citizen these days, so you got to take, take time for yourself to right. get away from that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, the only other suggestion I had, which I think is kind of lame, but if you know somebody <laughs> who's, say, really into a particular author, mm-hmm. you could put together a little gift basket yeah. of different things related to that author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I know, think that's a great idea. Little bling, tchotchke yeah. type things, yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny because it, it mirrors my final idea, which is would lend itself well to this gift basket, which is... Like, there's a brand new, beautiful, complete works of Kurt Vonnegut that's out. And I think it's cool to buy a complete works. I was also thinking about um, the complete stories of Flannery O'Connor or something Mm -hmm. like that. But you can buy that, and then you can buy a companion book that the example I had for the Flannery O'Connell is there's a fiction book called A Good Hard Look 
by Anne Napolitano, where mm. Flannery O'Connor is actually a character in the book. Interesting, yeah. And I think it'd be so fun to, like, bundle those two books together in that basket, yeah. you know, and you kind of have a theme. And the same for Kurt Vonnegut. I mean, I don't know that there's any books where he's a, a fictionalized character, but you could mm. put, like, a biography of Kurt Vonnegut in the basket or something yeah. like that. that's absolutely know. fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, well, this Happy wraps holidays. up our episode 34. yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, and happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. Right.